Alternate Take. I am your host, Daniel Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. On this episode, we delve into music, baby, which is honestly probably my favorite thing to talk about on this podcast. Because all my friends out there that I have, love them dearly, all stupid. None of them have any culture when it comes to music. And that offends me, man. I don't get offended by shit, but I get offended by that. You know, you had shitty parents. They didn't teach you how to listen to good music. Anyways, moving on. I don't want to go on a rant about my friends. Dylan Kiawe, my guest today, is not one of those people. Dylan Kiawe is a master. Um, I met Dylan in Brea, California. Him and his band were playing a set down at uh, Copper Blues, and it was incredible, man. Um, I've never heard him play before, and I was rocking out all night, man. They play some great, great reggae music, and I had to get him on the show. So we connected afterwards, man, and he was very gracious to say yes. And we actually did this episode uh, earlier this year, and I'm now posting it. And, you know, it, it came it comes at a very, uh, obviously, brutal time because Dylan Kiawe is from Maui. And uh, given everything that's happened over the last month or so, um, it's it's been insane, man. Um, so obviously, given that we recorded this, and back, I think we recorded this back in February, you know, we didn't obviously touch on the fires that just recently happened over there. But that being said, I have included links in the podcast description um, that comes straight from Dylan. You know, and Dylan uh, has checked these links out. He's certified them. They're all legit. None of these are scams. And they all go directly to the families and helping them rise and helping them get back to where they, you know, have to get back to. So, you know, that obviously this podcast is not what that's not what it was about, but you know, I want all the listeners to keep that in mind that, hey, if you can donate, you know, if you can spare a few bucks, you know, I'm sure it will go a long way for the families out there. Anyways, for this episode, we talked about how Dylan got started, his biggest musical influences, um, what separates his music from other people, and his brand new album, which is now out and streaming everywhere called All for Love. It's his debut album, and it's incredible, man. I enjoy it a lot. I listen to it all the time. And, um, I hope you guys enjoy it too. So, without further ado, I bring to you guys the great musician out of Maui, Dylan Kiawe. Alternate take, what is up, you guys? Man, we brought you guys a very special guest, man. We brought you Dylan Kiawe. How you doing, brother? Thank you, man. I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Of course, man, dude. I caught your show down in uh, Brea, California at uh, Copper Blues, man, and it was it was fucking great, dude. Um. That place has like mostly like from what I've been to, it's mostly like uh I see like karaoke guys, I see some decent yeah. cover bands, but you guys were original as hell, man. And um yeah. I fucking loved it, dude. That was incredible. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. That was actually my first time bringing the band up to Copper Blues. I, I had played there with my solo project like um a few times last year, but like you said, it was always tribute bands afterwards, or even like country bands or karaoke nights sometimes, but yeah, man, I'm I'm really happy they decided to take a chance and let us come up there because we had a lot of fun and got to meet a lot of new people such as yourself. Hell yeah, man. And don't get me wrong, man, I'm no fucking square. I like karaoke just as much as the next guy, you know what I'm saying? I hear but, you. <laughs> but, uh, man, that was some really good stuff, dude. Uh, do me a favor, man. Tell the people where you're from and um, how you got into this business, brother. Yeah, so I'm originally from Maui and I'm uh, here living in uh, Temecula right now, but... Uh, yeah, I've been playing music since I was a kid. I have a family full of musicians and, you know, I just caught the bug when I was younger. And ever since I turned 18, I've been I moved out to California and I've been traveling around and playing my music. 
So it's been about 10 years of that. And uh, yeah, man, I've gotten to tour with all kinds of artists in the reggae community as a keyboard player and a guitarist. And yeah, now, now I'm pushing my own music. I've got an EP as well as a full length album and a few, a few singles already released on Spotify and working on plenty of music right now. Damn, I love it, man. It's a fucking great story, man. What, uh, what instrument did you start off with? Initially, it was guitar, like acoustic guitar. And I, I was really into like folk music and kind of like um, indie music, I guess you could say. But yeah, I really just like the singer-songwriter vibes. And uh, yeah, as I kind of grew older and started jamming with other musicians, the type of style that I gravitated towards tended to be more reggae style. And I've just ran with that ever since. It's in your blood, man. You're from Maui and shit. I love it, dude. Yeah. Um but that's one thing I actually want. I was interested in asking you, man, because I do find that super interesting on people on like what their primary music is, whether it be hip hop or reggae or whatever, and like what other influences they had that weren't that. Because I see that's actually very common. Like, um, I know one guy who speaks out about it a lot is, um, and I'm not the biggest fan, but like Post Malone. Um, oh, yeah. But he talks a lot about like how his influences are like, Bob Dylan and all these other guys and like stuff you wouldn't think necessarily because well his music's mostly hip hop but yeah. um, you mentioned singer songwriter and folk man what were like your major influences when you were a kid you know so I, I kind of grew up listening to all different kinds of music and uh, I really like when I started playing music initially the the folk music seemed like the easiest to learn initially but I, I grew up listening to like soul music R&B oldies uh and even like death metal and, and thrash metal, like hell yeah, been a big mix, you know. So reggae kind of had like a nice balance of like positive messaging as well as like groovy music. And I've always been a big fan of vocal harmonies. So reggae has all of that. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I realized about reggae and I realized it during your show um, is that the, what makes it so different than regular, like regular music, I would say, on different genres, like you use rock, for example. Is like and rock, like the harmony is kept mostly by like or like the the guitar player, the riff that he does, right, right. and like the um and the drummer. And in reggae, it's the complete opposite. Like the 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 beat is usually kept by like the or the main riffs are done by the bass player. Yes, and yes. and most of the time by like uh the drummer. Like there's some usually unique kind of things. So it's it's a lot different. Like that's usually like the rhythm section of like. If you listen to like Black Sabbath, like the rhythm section right. is like Bill Ward and like exactly. Ezer Butler, and they're just murdering it. But like you guys you, in reggae, the 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 main instruments are the bass and the drums, and like it's they keep the really sick riffs. And like I don't know why it came to my head when I was watching it. I was like, man, yeah. that's what makes reggae music so special. It's like that bass player is fucking knocking it out of the park, and you know those riffs yeah. are hard to come up with, man. They really are. It's it's amazing that you say that because the foundation of all, all reggae music is the drums and the bass. And it's very uh, almost backwards in a sense, you know, yeah. even the types of rhythms that you play, they aren't like, you know, like standard hip hop was like, boom, ba, boom, ba. It's more like on the off beats where everything happens. It's that space in between. And I really think that because the drums and the bass take the lead for the most part, it really allows for different ways for the musicians to work off of each other. And yeah, it, it's it's amazing how how much you can do with just the drum and bass sound, you know. Yeah, dude. I yeah, couldn't it's funny. Like in other music, that's called the rhythm section, 
but the rhythm section in reggae is the guitar and the keys and uh so it's 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 interesting it's just it's i've always considered it a very backwards type of music with the way you have to approach playing it and uh and yeah man the drums and bass are just the essential foundation always yeah absolutely man um did you have any like a like reggae records growing up in your house, man. Like that's a big part of my childhood. Man. It was, I had right. my dad's records and I would just fucking jack those. And, yeah. um, but they're pretty, um, <clears throat> I guess you would say typical of a teenager in like the seventies and eighties. It was like your Metallica records, your Iron Maiden Sabbath, right. um, you know, the first NWA record, couple Prince records, stuff like that, you know? And yeah. it was great. But like, I didn't see a lot of reggae in my house, like at all. Um, mm-hmm. it took like my own doing later on to like, First, obviously, everyone gets into Bob Marley first, and you kind of grow from there. But like, what were like your reggae influences growing up as a kid? You know, my biggest influence in reggae has to be my dad. Honestly, he he uh, has been such a big fan of the music and a follower of the music. And so, growing up, it was uh, something that he always went back to. You know, we always had like the classic rock records, like you're talking about, and he even had tapes of like Slayer and stuff that he would make for us, but he would always find this old, like in the 70s and 80s, this old roots music from artists I never heard of and just like obscure songs. But, you know, it, it really provided that foundation of uh, how much reggae influenced what I do today. And yeah, I would say obviously Bob Marley uh, was one that speaks to everyone if you're not like... Um, you know, don't have too much history with reggae, but I'm really big into uh, reggae from New Zealand. Honestly, my, some of my favorite reggae artists are uh, Catch a Fire, The Black Seeds, Fat Freddy's Drop, and all of these guys are newer artists, but they they come from New Zealand. And I just, I don't know what it is about that sound, but I really vibe with it, man. Interesting, man. Yeah, I haven't uh, caught up too much on that. Like, I think I think reggae is one of those uh, genres where it kind of feels like um, like blues a little bit in the sense where not the way it sounds, but mm-hmm. um, but how you view it. Like people see blues, they think BB King, and they maybe think one other person, and they just kind of stop. Yeah. And if they just really dug into it, you would find out so many other killers in blues. Where you're like, holy shit, this whole genre is loaded. I just didn't give it the time. Same with reggae. People kind of just look at Bob Marley. And a couple yeah. of guys, and then they just stop. And like, there's so many other artists. That oh, just- it's crazy, man! What what yeah. what? The best way to do it, I think, is to see artists that you like, see what their influences are. You know, like some of Bob Marley's favorite artists, for example. I think he said his favorite singer was Dennis Brown, or and another one was Jacob Miller. And so those are two artists that are from around his same time, but he was heavily influenced by. And so I try to do that with artists that. I find something that I like, I want to see what they like. So then it, it kind of can find new stuff like that. But yeah, like you said, man, reggae has so many subgenres and like variations. And it's it's just an endless world. It's like any other genre where once you're really into it, that there's so much digging to do. And and yeah. Yeah. And then there's so much room to make it your own. I think like you just said, like yeah. um, it's it's not as uh basic as people think it is. Like, um, I think for me, what really like brought my love back to it, um, and it never went away. That's kind of a weird way to phrase it, but like, um, I believe it was my freshman year of high school. I had to be like 2008, somewhere around there, 2007, 2008, and um, that's when um, Revolution came out with their EP, and I never heard reggae like that before. It was like the guitar riffs were were gnarly, 
Um, yeah. And it was just different. And I was like, okay, like, that's when I, that's when my reggae ears started to grow because before that, I, I guess you could say I was very uh, ignorant, maybe um, naive to how much you could do with reggae. Again, at that point, it was right. just like a, like a Bob Marley kind of guy only. And then, uh, and don't get me wrong, loved it. Loved, had like two or three of his records, but that changed a lot for me for sure. Was there like a um, specific reggae band that changed your ears, I guess, like that too, that made you go, whoa, like it's so much different. It's so much more evolved than I really thought it was. Yeah. Um, honestly, a big, band that did that for me was stick figure because as i was getting into reggae like i said my dad was a huge roots fan but he was the style of reggae that he enjoys is very um like roots reggae which has a like a lot of rastafarian uh influence in the lyrics and and he's always gravitated towards that classic roots sound and for me i've always just been a big fan of fusion music like anytime people are blending elements from other genres into like create their own sound that's always been something i gravitate towards and so uh stick figure was an artist that heavily influenced me because his first few albums he was producing uh i think he still produces most of his own music but uh he was playing every instrument on it on every record as well and so for me like playing multiple instruments that was something that i wanted to emulate was how he could create a whole album where he was every musician, similar to a way how Prince did it as well, you know? Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. It's fucking, it's way cool when people do that, man. Like, <clears throat> it's it's interesting you mentioned, like, the artists who, like, throw a bunch of genres in there, man. I've always fucking loved that. Like, it's very hard to do because it can easily be the cheesy and sound like shit, too. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, it really could be. Like, it, and when you do it correctly, it's just, it's fucking gold, man. Um, One of the guys that, like, at the same time, I kind of got into a revolution maybe like two years later. Um, he's a South African cat and they all have their own flavor from South Africa. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a different vibe. Name, yeah, dude, they just got it. Um, and his name is uh, Jeremy loops. And like, that's his, okay. that's his thing. Like, um, he really does mix everything in, man. Like, and you have a song that has some tremendous harmonica. Then one's like reggae. Then it has a little hip hop in it. And you're like, dude, this motherfucker is right. amazing, yeah. man. And it's, and then when you see it live, it's a whole nother thing. Like I saw him open for them. And that's why I was like, dude, who is this guy? Like, I, like two songs in, he had the whole song just, I mean, the whole play is just tripping. And it was at the Palladium in Hollywood, man. And it was like probably oh, 2014 nice. or 15. But man, dude, it was just unbelievable to see. Like, I, I love when artists like yourself, when you guys do, like when you did your show, I saw that you guys had the DJ throwing in some cool shit. And yeah. um, I saw a lot how the guitarist like changed like his different tones in the guitar at certain points of the song. I like that, man. It, it is very unique. You had that, your backup singer who was fucking murdering it, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I, I love that when you add all that flavor, man, it is important. Yeah. I think it, it really adds to the show and it keeps, um, it just keeps people interested. You know, I, I'm, I like music that forces you to be an active listener, you know, where there's stuff going on that piques your interest that maybe the second time around you hear a song, you didn't hear that the first time. And you know, that that's, it's, so incredible like how much capabilities we all have as musicians now where we can record our ideas and just go crazy with it because it's it's allowing for a lot of new fusions and new like ways of producing music that sounds good in ways that you wouldn't necessarily think would work you know yeah dude i think it's cool too like when when that part of the songwriting process is documented like um one of my favorite artists nowadays is um or band is uh bleachers 
like pop oh, yeah. rock type of band. Um, yeah, yeah, I know yeah, they're great. Um, Jack Antonoff, but like one of the genius things he does is he puts up on YouTube like how he made this whole song like completely. Like he'll start with the first riff and he'll show you like he'll have it on whatever sort of a recording software he has. And right. he's like, I know with this riff and this is what I did. And after that, I thought I'd throw in these. And then like it's only like a 10 minute video, but like you see it all. And it really does like spark your brain. You're like, whoa, like it gives the person watching some sort of uh, motivation thing. They can do something similar if they want. It gives yeah. you some sort of appreciation for the for the brain that this guy has who's doing it. Um, I think that's every, I think that's something everybody should do because it really is cool. Like it's you're kind of letting everyone in on your secret, but after you already gave them the magic, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it's cool. I think that that's one of the beautiful things that social media has done for artists like as well as just being able to record stuff now we can show the whole process and show like where the ideas come from and just people are so creative with how they do it like my favorite type of those kind of videos is when they edit it so it looks like there's copies of them and the yeah way, i love those kind of videos man. yeah man it's very it's very interesting it's i think um the older i get the more i realize how much uh like production is so goddamn important like um mm. i just interviewed um robert cool bell he's a lead bass player of cool in the gang he's, he's oh, wow. yeah man yeah. It, was, it was fucking awesome yeah. um and we're going over his whole catalog and i kind of wanted to do him justice and like listen to more cool in the gang before um we interviewed him and like you know you think cool in the gang you think celebr celebration you think like you know get down <laughs> on it but then i went back to their older shit and i was like oh my god dude like it was it was like funky as hell. Like this is stuff right. people preludes to. It was the best stuff. It was like, oh my god! And one of the songs uh, was like a uh, winter sadness or winter madness. I forget what it's called. Mm -hmm. um, and you can hear in the part of the song. It's, it's a slow song, but you can hear in it like the riff that um, Tupac used for "Picture Me Rolling." Right. That's what I was gonna say. Those older cuts are what people were sampling. Like, yeah, sampled so many times. It's crazy. Yeah, and I was like, I love that. I love that. Like, uh, it's it's when you first hear, I guess, Tupac's song, you're like, man, that song's fucking awesome. And then you see the inspiration behind. It, you're like, whoa, that's that's really cool. I mean, there's more sampling, obviously, in hip hop than almost than any other genre. But, right. um, I like to see the inspiration from other artists and how they use it in other things. So it could be just a verse, dude. Like when someone drops a verse uh like like i said that jeremy loops guy he does that he has one of this uh tremendous song called down south and then like in the towards the end of it like he'll um throw in um one of the lines from no woman no cry it just kind of happens to go uh, into his song like pretty well and the whole crowd sings along to it it's fucking great man i love that yeah i love that stuff man and and actually reggae is another genre where they sample each other and reference each other and Back in the day, what they used to do was a, a studio would create a rhythm, is what they would call it, and it was just uh, instrumental. And they would have all different artists sing over that same exact instrumental. And then every artist would have their version of it that they would release. And, you know, I, I, I love that kind of stuff because you get to see different people and their take on it. And then, you know, now a lot of uh, artists will also use like, um, melodic samples almost like imitating those same riffs in theirs if that makes any sense you know like yeah definitely man a lot of uh people would also like turn like pop and soul music into like uh reggae and then sing their versions over it so yeah people can hear like a familiar um lick like for example there's a song called westbound train by dennis brown and it's one of my favorite songs to play with my band. And 
it has the lick from Love and Happiness from Al Green. Oh, sick. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, that intro. <laughs> yeah, dude. And so they use that lick in the song and it's uh something they go back to, but it's not like it's 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 his own original song, but just the music has that reference, you know, and and that's something I also love about reggae. It's just you can get so creative with how you use your influences in your style. And yeah. yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. I, I think my favorite thing about reggae is just is just genuinely it's likability. Um it's one of those things where like if if you don't like it, you're a piece of shit. I kind of what I think like there's something wrong with you. Like, yeah, no, it's you know, crazy. Like, fuck, Rick. I get when people who say fuck, like uh, death metal, heavy metal. I'm like, yeah, it might not be your flavor. That's totally fine. I get that. Like uh, or modern day hip hop. Fuck modern day. Hip-hop. Yeah, totally get it, man. That's your. F- <laughs> but if you say fuck reggae, like you're weird, dude. Like it's reggae is yeah. awesome. Like who doesn't? You play it for babies, old people, like you're dogs, man. <laughs> dude, like literally everybody loves it. Like you know, it's yeah, it's, it's such a likable g- genre, man. Yeah, I, I think. Those type of people that say they don't like reggae, I always enjoy performing in front of those kind of crowds because usually by the end of the night, they can find a little flavor that they were interested in. You know, that's why we try to put our own spin on classics like some Sam Cooke tunes, some Beatles tunes, you know, some some stuff that even if you don't like reggae, you might know this song and our version of it might appeal to you, you know. Yeah, and that's that's honestly what, like I said, going back to what we said earlier, man. That's that's what goes to the admiration of the artist is like when you are well rounded. I think there's like a there's something that the listener gets where they don't think that you guys are um, all in on all parts of music. Like they they judge you right away. They're like, oh, he's just a reggae guy. And then when they see that, they're like, fuck, this dude, this dude's a killer, man. Like he does know his own shit. He's a fucking encyclopedia up there, but he's choosing to talk about this thing only. And I love yeah. that. Now the respect is just so much higher. I mean, you're singing Sam Cooke, dog. Then that's it. You're you're, you're my boy, right? Yeah, <laughs> man. I, I think that covering certain artists like that, where people have resonated so much with them, and putting your own twist on it, is very like I think that's an important aspect to it. Like anyone can cover songs, but I think I love when artists cover songs and it sounds like them. You know, like it, yeah. as opposed to trying to sound like the artist. So <laughs> I try really hard not to put on like fake accents or anything like that because it it immediately is noticeable you know and i don't feel right doing it so right yeah that's a big part of covering songs is trying to make it your own as well dude speaking of that like um easy segue for that it was like um everyone knows sam's cooks uh a change is gonna come and there's this newer band called uh greta van fleet they've probably been around for like six years now um killer rock and roll band they get a lot of flack because they sound like zeppelin but I don't give a shit. Like it's, it sound incredible to me. I like, like hey, more that's Zeppelin. not a bad person, like group to yeah. sound like. If you ask me, that's what I said. I'm like, oh, is more Zeppelin a fucking problem nowadays? Like, like we, like we need less of that. Jesus, come on, it's it's amazing. Um, but they sounded like that a lot on their first record, and ever since then they've just grown. Like they, you can tell they're getting into their own sound. And on their second record, they did a cover of "A Change Is Gonna Come" mm. with like their sound. It was fucking insane, dude. Because like to do yeah. that song on your record, you gotta get. I'm sure a lot of permissions from the family, from whoever owns the rights, like to cover that, you know, and like, Certainly, I'm sure yeah. you have to give them a demo and they have to be like, all right, this shit is good. Like we, we give you permission to go ahead, you yeah. know, and it's just unbelievable, man. So I'm with you on that. I love when bands do that. Um, I saw you guys did welcome to jam rock and you guys fucking murdered it up there, man. That was yeah, sick. Man. Kiki is an unbelievable like talent to have in the band. Not only does he mash it on the keys, but 
when he comes and does his front man thing, it really adds a whole new element. People all of a sudden feel like they're at a Shaggy show. Not yeah. <laughs> he fucking <laughs> murdered Shaggy too. I was like, God damn, this guy's good, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's man. got that vibe for sure. He's And he's an OG. Like all the musicians that I play with, uh, they, they go by the Dub Squad. And they've been OG musicians, have backed a bunch of legendary artists from all over the world. And I'm just fortunate to have them playing music with me. Oh, man. Well, they're fortunate to have you too, man. Um, speaking of that, dude, tell me about your songwriting process. Like what, um, how does it usually go down for you, man? Do you got to fucking get in the room and zone out or does it just kind of come naturally? Dude, I mean, this, this is the room where most of my music is written. This is where most of my album was recorded. Honestly, it's, uh, a lot of just production on Ableton. It'll start with like some chords usually. And, uh, from there I'll just build it into, what kind of vibe I'm going for. But generally, I start to build the music before the lyrics. There's been a few times where I had lyrical ideas, but I find it way tougher to build music around lyrics as opposed to building lyrics to fit music, if that makes any sense. No, it does. Absolutely. Um, I've been playing guitar since I was like nine, and I don't have any serious songs. I have songs that just joke around with my buddies, but I know which exactly what you're talking about. We're like, okay, this is this is something I created and like I, it has the sound of something where I can sing about this to it, you yeah. know, as to where like, if I wrote something down, now I got to have to fit that puzzle. It's a little tougher. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, no, I, I've tried to do it like as an exercise to where like you force yourself to write the lyrics first and find the music that fits that. But oh my gosh, it's always so much more difficult to do it that way. Um, and a lot of times when I, it's easier when the music's there because at first, it's not even words that I'm saying. Like, I'll just hum little melodies and little, like, vowels and, and sounds. And eventually, once I find a melody I like, then I'll try to fit, like, a word in there. And that word will kind of, like, make a line and then just build off of that. Yeah, um, absolutely, man. And yeah. speaking of which, man, um, I heard your record. I loved it, dude. And Thank the you. one thing that caught my eye the most, dude, was, was the artwork on the album, dude. That's huge to me, man. Like, I... I hate when people fuck around and don't don't put time into their album artwork, man. That's like, you know, when you're a kid, that's like the first thing you look at, man. You don't give a shit who I, is on the album. You just like go, oh man, like look at the cover of this shit, like yeah. like the Iron Maiden covers, or the Def Leppard covers. You're like, this oh is oh my like, gosh, so you know, all, especially yeah. all the metal bands have the most detailed album covers. Yeah, like it's just something you just you were drawn to, man. Like you you had to see a cool cover, um, like and they're just they're legendary forever. Led Zeppelin two, Zeppelin four, yeah. like you just. When you, you see them, it, right? When you see it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, like the Ride the Lightning records or Kill 'Em All. Um, yeah, I've been very fortunate to uh, to work with some amazing artists. You know, um, one of them is Justin Oltesvig, who is based up in Oakland, and uh, he does a lot of work with a bunch of different artists in the scene. And yeah, he did most of the artwork for my singles and stuff. And and yeah, I was very fortunate to just link up with people like him who are very. Um, in tune with the vibe that the artist is trying to give off, you know, because a lot of times people will, uh, artists can tend to put too much of their own signature on something. And I've noticed with with uh, his work, for example, Justin's work, it's very tailored to each individual artist. And I love that. Yeah, man, that's tough to do. That's that's an artist in himself. Like, you know, someone who knows, okay, right, let me get in the mind of this person. Let me hear the album. Okay, this is what the drawing should look like, you know, and I I think that's that's incredible, man. It does fit your record completely. I got as I was listening to it, I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, this this is the shit, man. I I really do enjoy it. 
Um, <clears throat> thank you. I appreciate that, man. Absolutely, brother. Tell me how long it took to um to get the record completed, man. Like you said, that's it's a long journey, man, to come down here. <laughs> and, you know and you know to be in wine country and shit and fucking making reggae yeah. music and, and to finally get that record out man especially you know I, I don't know how many restrictions people had with like with covid and like, having to go out and try to perform it's, it's tough man like how, how did that uh how yeah. long did it take and you know what was it like so i actually put up my first ep right at the start of covid and i initially was going to release it uh my birthday was like literally the day of the lockdown or the day after <laughs> the national lockdown and i i plan to release my initial ep around my birthday and do a bunch of shows around that and travel and all that and of course everything got shut down and so i i initially de delayed the release hoping that things would open up but of course it didn't and so i decided to just drop it and see what happened and uh after that as things started to open up it became a little bit easier but recording turned into a lot more like me recording some stuff at my house in my home studio and sending it off to another producer who I was working with and uh, having him finish it on his end. And there was, you know, a couple of times where we got to get together, actually, but a lot of it is like through Zoom meetings and things like that, where we could just talk about what the kind of idea that we were trying to put together, you know? Right. Yeah, man, that's tough, dude. I mean, fuck, most businesses got fucked up. The entertainment industry was the hardest one, man, to really like, you know, double down and get through it, man. Like, but I would imagine with all that downtime, like you can really focus on the songwriting because you're like, all right, well, I'm not touring. So, yeah. um, and then some people made some bangers. I saw like, um, uh, Luke Holmes made that, um, six feet apart song. And it's like, that's one of his biggest hits now. And like only that song is literally only about COVID. And it's like, it's a fucking yeah. awesome song, you know? I think it was amazing in sh like leveling the playing field for all artists of all levels, because you really got to see how even super big name artists like Luke Combs, like you're saying, like they had to figure out new ways to still get their music out there to still connect with their fans on a way that they couldn't by touring, you know? And yeah, it was great to see like how many local musicians from, from, you know, wherever's local to them, but like, you know, smaller level musicians being able to have that same impact just because there was no uh, like touring going on, you know? So everyone was looking at social media and on social media, you can come across some new things, some new artists that you haven't uh, discovered yet. Yeah. So that was something that I actually thought was kind of a, a cool aspect of, you know, everyone being forced to be shut down. It kind of almost leveled the playing field in that sense. Yeah. Is that, is that something you're, um, you're conscious of? Like your, your connection with, um the fans i feel like i feel like i like both i like i like uh the artist that's like no i'm just gonna come up here and play what i like and hopefully people like it i love that and i also love the artist that's like nah i kind of want to like make this song and like pretend like i'm in someone else's head i'm someone else singing this song like you see like a springsteen does that a lot where he's he sings it in first person but it's not about him it's about somebody else or or yeah. uh, kid cuddy kid cuddy does that a lot where he's speaking specifically about himself and hoping some other kid you know grasps that message or whatever um is that something that is uh, important to you or is it just like, this is the music I like and, and I'm just going to fucking rip it and see what happens? Man, that's a good question. I, I feel like I write, I tend to write from a perspective of like my own experience, but you know, as you get older, you, you, you start to realize like how 
you know, we all think we're, we're so individual and no one understands what we're going through, but you tend to, to, uh, find the similarities in other people's journeys. And so even though I'm writing from my personal experience, I do believe that like, there's some general situations that we all are going to come across, you know, and, and, you know, figuring out who we are is something that we all have to do. And that's something that I can write about my own journey, f- figuring out who I am and someone else can take things from that. And so I guess I'm not in a sense like Springsteen writing from a pers- perspective of another person, but, uh, but I am conscious of like how something I'm saying could be relatable in that sense, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that's very cool. Um, in terms of, a uh, off the stage type of things, man, I, I always hear sometimes artists say that's where they get their biggest inspiration where like they, um, uh, specifically people that are very creative, very creative people are, um, usually highly emotional, um, usually highly habitual. Um, they usually like to do the same things over and over again. And, um, sometimes it's hard to choose a new thing. So I see a lot of like comedians or I see musicians or, um, anyone in the entertainment field where they like do something off what they're doing like whether it's jujitsu or then now they get into hunting or they get into some other kind of shit and they usually find some sort of inspiration in there to to kind of go back to their main thing is, is there anything like that that you do that's kind of off music um yeah no i i'm big into like i grew up playing baseball actually so uh for me that was it's been a huge influence on my life taught me so many lessons that don't have anything to do with the game of baseball but um i think that's something that I always kind of carry around with me, you know, for a while I was playing in an adult league when I was in San Diego before I moved up to Temecula. And uh, I got to play a little for like a little bit in college. And yeah, man, it's been it. I think that's something that's outside of music that has been had a really big impact on me. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, man. I'm also like a big fan of like you know, just hobbies like, like video games and stuff like that. So it's, it's, uh, music goes hand in hand with all of these things, but I don't know. It, it, there's just, there's a lot of like little hobbies, I would say that also influence everything as well. Yeah, man. I couldn't agree more, dude. I played ball my whole life and yeah, that, that I kind of use that as a reference to whatever the hell I'm doing. Like, um, especially when it comes to anything entertainment wise or create, Anything that's creative, you know, anything that's creative, you can get overwhelmed pretty quickly about the idea of it. Like, oh, you get exhausted that, man, I have to make another song. Shit, yeah. I got from scratch, yada, yada. But <laughs> with baseball, you don't think that. You just It's very structured. Like, I got to go to practice. I got to warm up. I got to throw. I, you know, I got to do some speed training. I got to hit. I got to hit a little longer. You know, yeah, work, work on this. I so, think that routine is great. Like, it's, yeah. it's good for you. <laughs> yeah, it is. And so when you apply that to, like, you know, to music, it, it makes it easier to like to or to anything you're doing for me, podcast, whatever, like um, it makes it easier to think about it. And like, a, it's just got to get done type of thing. And, you know, you see it as a routine and it kind of works out better for me, at least. So I agree with you, man, completely. Yeah, no, it's crazy, man. Like, like, like I said, some of the biggest lessons that I've learned in my life come from baseball and they have nothing to do with anything baseball. You know, it's all about like dealing with failure and like learning to deal with pressure and work as a team but still have your role and having to get your job done or failing at your job you know and I think all of those things are just great experiences that in life it's gonna happen and you you don't want to 
um, you know, have your first big failure be at like something you worked your whole life for, you know, like, I think all the little failures kind of help you be resilient and, and just build up that persistence, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Dude. Couldn't have said it better. Dylan Calway, tell me your, uh, your favorite tunes on your new record that you would want people to go listen to right away and go check this one out, man. Like this is the one I, it's a good intro for you to go into. And then, you know, obviously I would recommend anyone play it from start to finish. That's the way I listen to records. I think that's the way everyone should listen to a record. Yeah. yeah. Um, I took the words right out of my mouth. That's the way I would do it too. But if you I, have to pick a couple, I would say the title track all for love is a good like intro to the message in my music. And, uh, you know, if uh, you like other stuff, if you like a little bit more R&B flavor, there's a track called Love Ain't It on there. And uh, if you're looking for something in the morning time, the the last two tracks, there's a prelude that goes into the final track, Daybreak. And uh, that is a great way to start off your morning. <laughs> I love it, man. Dude, uh, tell everybody what... Uh... Where you're gonna be, man? I mean, this is a uh, this is this is fucking great, man. Especially you're from Cali. We're most of our listeners are from Cali too, so I'm sure they'll be able to catch you. Yeah, so we just we just did a show down at Winston's, um, and I I have I had some shows planned, but it's actually uh, we're we're getting ready to uh, move. Actually, we're getting ready to move back to Maui. Oh shit, man! Hell yeah! yeah. So we're gonna be relocating in a little bit. And, uh, yeah, man. So we're kind of just in the process of figuring out all that stuff, but I'm definitely going to be in California and playing music, uh, with my band around there. So if they want to stay updated, they can follow me on Instagram and, uh, follow me like on all the social media and my website, dylankiave.com will also has, uh, tour dates and all that stuff posted. Beautiful dude. Thanks for joining the show, man. I promised you, uh, 30 45 minutes and I, I think we did that man it, it went smooth man i had a good time man yeah i had a great time talking with you man thanks for having me on absolutely dude this has been alternate take we'll see you guys later peace and there it is ladies and gentlemen our interview with the great dylan kiawe thanks a lot for joining the show dylan you're the man dude um like i said at the beginning of the podcast this was recorded before all the fires in maui and anything you guys can donate will be of great help, man. Um, you know, do us a favor. If you do decide to donate, uh, throw in the comments. You heard Dylan talk on alternate take and you're inspired, man. Um, you know, anything, anything, anything helps right now. But that being said, man, go out and check out Dylan's new record. It's unbelievable, man. It's called all for love. I put all the info to his stuff in the podcast description. Go check it out, man. It's, it's tremendous stuff, man. Thanks a lot for joining the show, brother. Um, for everyone else, if you're looking to follow Alternate Take, go to our Instagram at Alternate Take Podcast and YouTube at Alternate Take Podcast, man. And as always, appreciate the, appreciate the love, man. This has been Alternate Take. My name is Daniel Rodriguez, and I'll see you guys later. Peace.